Welcome back into another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Gil McGregor here with Kyle Irving. We're entering the fourth week of the 2021-22 NBA season. That's pretty crazy, Kyle. Man. And how you doing? Doing good. It feels like it's been a while since we've both been yeah. on here. It's been yeah. a busy start to the season. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. Raps are off to a hot start. Um, but yeah, I mean, and more than anything else, just going to be back on the pod. Yeah, yeah. You talk about the Raptors. First of all, yeah, it does feel good to be back doing this. It's been a while. I know a couple, the last few ones I I, I rode solo, but much, much better to have you uh, to bounce some ideas back and forth. Uh, week three of the Raptors season, they went two and two, um, started a week with a pretty impressive road win over the New York Knicks, then went to Washington and defeated the Wizards, got some revenge from opening night, brought their win streak actually to five games. The win streak came to an end and a heartbreaker at home on Friday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then the week wrapped with a loss at home to the Brooklyn Nets, which is kind of to be expected. They're one of the hottest teams in the league. It's hard to deal with Kevin Durant and James Harden. The Raptors now stand at six and five. And the crazy thing is they're four and oh on the road, but two and five at home. It's funny. We talked about what we expected from them this season. And we talked about just being back in Toronto, how that was going to just be um, a boost for this team. And they've lost in different types of circumstances at home. So I don't think they're losing because it's at home, but it's interesting to look at that so far. I had that as a low light uh, so far up to this point in the season, but the highlight is Pascal Siakam is back way ahead of schedule. He's back. We were thinking it's going to be around the United States Thanksgiving at the end of November. He's back a week in the thing, in, into the month of November, and he's back playing pretty well. So when you look back at this week, there are a lot of things I mentioned, career highs, big games. What was your biggest takeaway from the week of action that the Raptors had? Um, I think my biggest takeaway was just that that defense is back to being a Nick Nurse branded Toronto Raptors defense. And we saw that during the five game win streak. But, you know, last year it seemed like the the defense just wasn't on a string as much as head coach Nick Nurse would like it to be. Um, As much as we've seen years past, his first two years in the NBA, they were a top 10 defense in the NBA. No question. I want to say 2019 when they won it all, they were a top five defense in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And then last year they kind of got away from that a little bit. And it seems like this year they're getting back to being a defensive-minded team. I know you wrote something over on NBA.com just about how scrappy this team is defensively, (laughs) how they're leading the league in deflections, they're leading the league in steals, they're leading the league in – uh, you know, loose balls recovered, yeah. all those type of hustle stats that, uh, you know, those are the type of things that you just don't want to go up against that if you're an opposing offense. And to, to boot, I mean, they're creating turnovers, but they're also leading the league in points off turnovers, mm-hmm. uh, at least going into that Nets game yesterday. I'm not, I haven't looked, to, I haven't followed up to see where they rank after that Nets game yesterday, but um, yesterday being Sunday, recording this on Monday, but uh, you know, I think that's my biggest takeaway from the little stretch that they just went on a really impressive start to the season. It's definitely clear that this team is looking to win this year. They're looking to, you know, be a competitive team. When I say win, I don't mean win at all. I, I mean, just, you know, compete and be in the playoff picture and consider themselves one of the top teams in the East. And it looks like they have enough talent, especially with Pascal coming back. So now I think the next biggest step is just how they're going to get all of these guys integrated, how they're going to get all of them on the floor together and, and what they're going to do to make that work, to make, you know, put all those pieces together and, and continue the season on the trajectory that they're on right now. I think that, that I like what you pointed out about this team actually really trying to compete. And I think that that's my biggest takeaway from this past week. Um, it ended with two losses. And again, one came right at the buzzer. Essentially, Scotty Barnes had an opportunity to win the game for the Raptors, but it didn't get it to go, didn't put enough on it. Um, but you know, that that win streak when it started, it was the Pacers twice and the Magic in, in between. And those are two 
two teams that have stumbled out of the gates. But to go into New York where the, the, the Knicks were red hot, um, they go up 15 in the first half and to stick with it and come back. OG has a career high 36 points. That's really when I was like, okay. And not that I doubted the Raptors team. I just kind of looked at them at that point in time of like, this is a team that's going to take care of business when the games are supposed to win. And then games against teams like that, they could either lay down or just lose. And I don't think there's any shame in losing a road game to the Knicks, but to see them come back, that kind of showed me what they were made of. And I know last year was the year of the fake comeback and when they got they got the fans excited and you hear it over Raptors Twitter all the time. Um, maybe we call it the takeaways curse when we're, we're writing our, our takeaways from the game. The game all of a sudden just changes this trajectory. But the Raptors finding ways to win games like that. And then I, I think the Wizards win was equally impressive going on the road for Evan Fleet scoring 33 points this is a Wizards team that made you look silly on opening night. You go there and get another road win. So this team has a lot of the characteristics of a tough team and, and, and even Dayton back to that that Celtics win to start the season I think that was a big character win as well so getting character wins and then like you said welcoming Pascal Siakam back into the lineup I think that's huge and and saying that I think we need to put the spotlight on Siakam uh, over on NBA.com Scott Rafferty took a different approach to our takeaways from the Nets game and really just talked about how Siakam looked detailed his minutes um, 25 minutes on a minutes restriction ended up with 15 points four boards two blocks an assist and a steal didn't show that much rust which i think is a big thing for a guy who really has not gotten that much action in the last five and a half six months but the big thing for me is that he started in the starting lineup next to fred Vevley, gary trent jr og anobi and scotty barnes so when you look at that and and what that means for this team moving forward i think the big question was how they were going to treat the starting lineup well they moved precious Chua to the bench and that is the five look that they're going to roll with so all those things kind of under that umbrella of pascal siakam's return what do you think that means moving forward aside from the raptors obviously being a better team i think it's just so now it started out with what's the deal going to be with the point guard position and we've seen mm-hmm. goran dragic uh, log a couple DNP coaches decisions over the past couple games. Uh, it became clear that Gary Trent Jr.'s defense has made him a mainstay in the starting lineup. Uh, obviously, Scotty Barnes is off to a better start than people expected. Anybody really could have expected. He's been tremendous, uh, just filling a variety of roles in that starting lineup. And I think it got to the point where he's the number four overall pick. He's a clear cornerstone to part of this franchise. Uh, they want to see him grow as fast as possible. And he's already growing uh, faster than maybe they even expected. And at this point, you can't revert him to coming off the bench. He's just playing too well. He brings too much energy. He does too many things that affect the game, affect their team in a positive way to have him come off the bench with Siakam returning. But obviously, Pascal Siakam is also going to start. So right away, we're seeing Nick Nurse go to that lineup that, you know, Raptors fans and, and us who are covering the Raptors were very excited about going into the season because how many teams, so you can play small ball, but how many teams can really get away with playing small ball without giving up that much defensively inside, without giving up, you know, uh, some big bodies to, to uh, box out and crash the glass? Like how many teams can really get away with that without sacrificing something? And it looks like with this lineup that the Raptors are going to put out there, uh, you have a bunch of versatile defenders, like even someone like Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, went to the Kyle Lowry school of being able to defend out of the post. He's someone that can get scrappy down there as well. But him and Gary Trent Jr. locked down on the perimeter. Uh, Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi can really switch. I mean, one through five. It's it's pretty tremendous on that front. So I think that the next step is seeing how these guys are really going to mesh. And we saw a little bit of it yesterday. Um, and going back to Pascal Siakam's debut, like you said, 
you know, I didn't see as many signs of rust. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was a shoulder injury. So he mm -hmm. was still able to keep his conditioning up, even though, you know, you can't replicate game speed right. until you actually get into a game. But I thought actually like in terms of conditioning and moving around on the court, he looked uh, pretty impressive in my opinion. I thought like little things just like finishing around the rim, just like the little touch shots, uh, just on putbacks or, or like the little pull-ups that he usually hits in the lane. Those were the type of the shots that were falling off the mark, but I was still super encouraged by what I saw. So for me, it really is that next step of, okay, now him and OG and Scotty have to get used to playing alongside one another in the front court when really, I mean, they kind of take up similar areas on the court, but they all are versatile enough to, you know, maybe one steps out to the perimeter. One's going to be bringing the ball up the floor. Uh, one's going to be in the paint, maybe in the post or something like that. So it's going to be an adjustment for those three more so than any anybody else on this roster. And I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with that rotation with Presley Chua and Ken Birch once he gets back and Chris Boucher as well off the bench, because obviously you're kind of clogging things up in that second unit with a lot of traditional big men. Um, not that I would call Chris Boucher or Presley Chua traditional big men, but you know what I mean? Just, just right, three within the system. Right. So, yeah. So I would say that for me, I'm going to be really curious to see how quick uh, Scotty and Pascal and OG can blend together because they are extremely versatile, but it is going to take some time learning, you know, where they're going to work in their areas of the court and who gets to take turns doing what. Um, that's going to take a little bit of time, but I think it's really going to click once they do figure it out. And that's the thing when you're welcoming somebody back into the lineup, especially a guy like Pascal, when he played last in May, this team looked way different than it does now. So on top of getting your conditioning, you also have to get your timing. One, with the guys who have grown in the way that they play, because OG Ananobi is not the same player that he was last May. But then there's a new guy in Scotty Barnes that you're playing with. You guys have to learn how to play with one another. And it's interesting you talked about Fred Van Vliet's ability to guard bigger guys, Gary Trent Jr.'s development on the defensive end. And then when we talk about the, the Raptors not having much diversity with respect to size, well, it's better to have a bunch of guys that are 6'9 and swishy than to have a bunch of guys that are like 6'3 or a bunch of guys that are 6'5 or whatever the case may be because you can provide very interesting matchup issues with guys who can guard up a weight class a couple possessions at a time, and then when they're guarding smaller guys, they can make life difficult. Talk about Delano Benton, another guy who's 6'9", who's been playing extremely well off the bench for this team so far. Been a great story for them. Actually celebrated a birthday over the weekend, just turned 22 years old. Um, and today is Isaac Bonga's birthday as well. So a lot of, a lot of birthdays in the Raptors locker room. But um, talking about the way you have that, uh, that roster and how things kind of shape out like that, I think that's what makes it very interesting. And Scotty Barnes being the chief person of that. I want to talk a little more about Scotty Barnes. I think one thing we talked about with him as a starter He's just too good to come off of the bench. And the big thing with that is, he, you know, he enters this week um, averaging 16.6 points, 8.7 boys per game has still been one of the standout rookies. You want to see where he measures on our rookie of the year ladder. Head over to NBA.com and check that out. But speaking of rookies of the year, two former rookies of the year had a lot of great things to say about Scotty Barnes after facing him for the first time, Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin were extremely complimentary of his game. Benjamin Kadane broke that down over at NBA.com. But I think it's crazy to think or, or to look at it, and Scotty Barnes isn't even 10 games into his NBA career, and he's got Kevin Durant marveling at what he's doing so far and Blake Griffin as well. These are two uh, guys who are very, very, very much established in this league. So I feel like every week we're going to have a new reason or a new story to just remind us that the Raptors got it right with Scotty Barnes. I agree with that. And I, you know, I came out of this pod after the draft and talked about how I was a little, 
I don't know. I was, I, once I saw Scotty Barnes, like once I saw him get selected and saw the excitement that he had to be playing in Toronto, like I started to have a good feeling that he might've been the guy. And I wrote that piece over on NBA.com about that, um, that you can still dig that up if you want to check that out about, you know, the experience of watching him get drafted on draft night and how he kind of exemplifies what it means to be a Toronto Raptor in terms of energy and versatility and, you know, a defensive minded focus. But I can't even say that I expected him to be as good as he has right off the bat. And I already, I know I already mentioned that, but just the things that stick out to me and we saw it right away in summer league, but like he's more, he has been more aggressive through his first 10 games in the NBA than he ever was at Florida state offensively. Like the way that he's attacking the rim, the way that he's showing a confidence in his jump shot, even if, you know, he might not even be all that confident in his jump shot just yet. Like I know the mechanics, like they still need some work and he's shooting the ball a little bit better than people expected, but just having a willingness to go out there and take shots that says a lot for me, uh, for him as a rookie, uh, the way that he can create points just by crashing the offensive glass and just using his energy to get easy buckets. Like he's going to give himself a solid base of, you know, just probably six to eight points a game, just crashing the offensive glass, playing aggressively, putting himself in the right position to, you know, just grab a, whether it's someone's driving a lane, he's just on the block and he just catches and lays it in or gets an aggressive dunk or something like that. He's going to tally points on his own that way. So to see him attacking off the dribble and showing a confidence in his jump shot, that to me speaks volumes of who he could become as a player once he really starts to get truly comfortable doing those type of things. But I think when you when you look at players like Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin talking about Scotty Barnes and praising him, I feel like when you're on the court, you can kind of just feel that energy. And when you're watching the game, you can constantly see him talking. He's always communicating. He's always showing some sort of emotion. He wears his heart on his sleeve in that term. Mm-hmm. And, and it really does feel like if you're even an opponent going up against that, you know, you got to kind of tip your hat to it. Like someone that has that type of love and passion for the game and can uplift his teammates like that. And it seems like he's always so positive and upbeat. Like even after he had missed that tip in uh, to that could have potentially won the game against the Cavs. Like it's not like he was, you know, slapping the floor or hanging his head or anything like that. It really was just kind of look a look on his face. Like, Hey, I just missed a potential, you know, game winning tip in shot, but we're going to have another opportunity there, like learn from your mistakes, like that type of attitude. And I think that goes a long way, especially when, you know, you see some of these veterans around the league who have gone up against, you know, countless rookies, then I'm sure whether one way or another, you can kind of tell if they have it or not. And obviously it takes some players more time to develop than others, but I think that you're starting to see these players step on the floor up against Scotty Barnes. They're starting to see the way that he moves around the court, the confidence that he's playing with the way that he can uplift his teammates, the energy that he brings. And that's, what's causing them to say, Hey, this kid's going to be pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, when you keep saying that, like everything they kept coming on, he's only 20. He's only 20. He's only 20. And that's what Kevin Durant was really marveling at. Like, like this guy just turned 20 years old. And the big thing that stood out to me, same thing with the missed tip in was post game. He was able to reenact exactly what happened, understanding that this was game 10 of an 82 game regular season. And for someone that young to really understand that, I think one, it speaks volumes to Scotty Barnes, first and foremost, but second of all, the Raptors development staff and the the culture that they have up there for him to have that understanding. So that goes from Masai Ujiri down to Nick Nurse to the leaders on the team and Fred Van Vliet and then Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. However quiet or loud he does, I think all of that really does have its impact throughout the locker room and it's showing already this early in his career. And I think again, you know, in covering him and seeing his growth next week, he's going to be way better than he is right now. But then especially, you know, once we reach the midway point in the season and the Raptors are making that playoff push 
in the March and April months, we'll really see him become a player. And who knows? Rookie walls exist. It seems to not be as bad in years past. And that's a thing, but it's nothing to be alarmed over. And, and as we've learned, Scotty Barnes is definitely not the type of guy who's going to be discouraged by any type of wall he could hit. And that's if he hits it. Um, otherwise, from the week that was, there's some other headlines over on NBA.com pertaining to the Raptors. Scott Rafferty broke down Fred Van Vliet's improvement into a mid-range assassin he's getting it done and the mid-level net kind of led him to his 33-point performance in Washington Kyle you broke down the stats from the win streak that was you kind of hinted at it a little bit so if you were curious at how the Raptors were able to string together five wins at this point in the season and I'm sure it'll be their first of many lengthy win streaks head over to NBA.com and check out what Kyle wrote on that league wide we uh have a new edition of the power rankings over nba.com the raptors big risers jumped up about eight spots from 21 to 13 when you look around the league you can't help but notice some familiar faces among the league's elite kyle lowry and the miami heat Spoiler alert, came in at number one. DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls are not that far behind, right outside the top five. So when you look at what these guys are able to do, I just wrote something on NBA.com about DeRozan hitting the ground running. He and Zach Levine seem to be a great pair in Chicago. And Kyle Lowry, Scott wrote about how he's transforming the Miami Heat into a Kyle Lowry team. You see a lot of things that will be reminiscent of his time in Toronto. So when you look at those guys and uh, other things around the league, what's been standing out for you so far, about a month into the season, almost. I want to say that right off the bat, and I don't know, I mean, I don't think this necessarily classifies as a hot take because they've been one of the best teams in the league already this season, but there's no team that's impressed me more when I've watched them so far this year in the Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. Like Bam Adebayo, every single time that I've watched them play, I just seem to be like jaw dropped at something that he does, whether it's, you know, a ridiculous defensive possession where he's all over the court or him bringing up the ball and initiating offense or like even something as simple as him just creating his own shot off the dribble for like a pull-up jump shot. I'm like, this guy just seems to get better in each and every game. Tyler Harrow is playing really, really well. Uh, like you said, Kyle Lowry is just doing everything he can to anchor that team. And Jimmy Butler is probably the MVP candidate on mm -hmm. that team who's been playing out of his mind as well. So they've really impressed me. I think the rookies, we already talked about Scotty Barnes a little bit, but Cade has made his debut. Uh, I've been, I mean, obviously with the, the coverage that I do with the draft, I've been keying in on the rookies. I've really enjoyed watching Josh Giddy. Uh, he's another one who he's not necessarily putting up the points to get as much traction as some of these other guys. Um, but just the way that he's been playing and the confidence and the demeanor and just the poise that he has, he looks like somebody that just won, you know, rookie of the year in his professional league back in Australia. Uh, last season, he does not look like an NBA, like he doesn't look like a rookie during his first NBA season whatsoever. And uh, he has OKC you know, playing pretty well for, for what they would expect to their standards. Uh, same with Evan Mobley. Everyone's been, you know, kind of drooling over him and how well mm -hmm. that he's been able to just guard multiple positions and do all the things that was talked about pre-draft. So the rookies are another uh, kind of storyline that I've been impressed with, but I guess on the other side, I mean, we got to talk about the teams that aren't exactly playing up to expectations. I think the Los Angeles Lakers is obviously mm -hmm. the hot button topic. They lost OKC twice. Westbrook is not stepping up the way that they wanted him to. Uh, during the games that LeBron James has been out, Anthony Davis missed the second half of or almost the entire game on Saturday in another one of their tough, just kind of a blowout loss, uh, you know, with a stomach bug. And it just seems like nothing's going right with the Lakers right now. I mean, Kendrick Nunn's been out. Taylor Horton Tucker has been out. Trevor mm -hmm. Reese has been out. It just hasn't been the start of the season that they've wanted. Obviously, LeBron James has been out, as I said. Uh, and then I guess I'm going to swing it over to the Boston Celtics, who have been kind of up and down. I mean, that game against the Heat, um, I mean, they looked like they could compete with just about anybody. And that's with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum playing as well as possible. And uh, 
and then they go out and have a brain fart against the Dallas Mavericks and lose on a buzzer beater. So I think that's just kind of the roller coaster ride that's going to be that team all season. And now you have Jalen Brown out. His name's in trade rumors. How much do I think that's actually valid? Probably mm-hmm. not very much, but you know, it's just just another talking point, something that it's going to keep the buzz around the Celtics for the next couple of weeks and, and adds a little bit of pressure when you're watching those games. But I'd say all in all, I mean, the the competition level, the level of basketball has been encouraging. Like it's been ex- extremely exciting to watch at the start of the season. There's been a lot of teams that are worth watching, even some of the teams that, you know, are playing a little bit better, even if they've had some skids, like the Timberwolves started out strong and they've started to lose some games. The Kings have been playing better. I just feel like when you look around the league, there's more um, – games just seem more watchable because every mm-hmm. single team has somebody that's worth watching. And uh, I'd be remiss to not at least mention the golden state warriors who are playing out of their minds as well. So I guess in like a, a Chris Berman, like fast minute type, uh, you know, skit there, I, that's the best that I can give you and trying to summarize everything that's been going on around the league in the last month. It's definitely been, been a whole lot. And, and I'm glad you mentioned a few of the things that you mentioned, because it tees it up perfectly for the road ahead for the Raptors, literally the road ahead for the Raptors. The next eight of their the eight of their next nine games are going to be away from Scotiabank Arena. So that four and record on the road is going to be put to the test. You mentioned the Celtics being a little bit underwhelming or disappointing out of the gates. Well, that's the Raptors' next one. That is Wednesday, November 10th, 7:30 p.m. on Sportsnet. Catching a break, I think. Obviously, you hope Jalen Brown gets back to full strength as much as possible, but with him out for a week or two, seeing the Celtics with just one of their two All Stars in the lineup um, makes things uh, makes it a different challenge for sure. Um, the Raptors were able to uh, beat the full strength, pretty much full strength Celtics earlier in the year. At least they had their they had their duo, um, but it's going to be a lot on Jason Tatum offensively to kind of step up in the absence of Jalen Brown because he is off to a pretty present start. Had. 46 on opening night and that's the first end of a back-to-back they actually head to philadelphia to take on the 76ers and again um the ben simmons saga does not seem like it's going to have a resolution anytime soon tobias harris is in the league's health and safety protocols danny green is dealing with a hamstring injury and as of today joel Embiid has entered the league's health and safety protocols as well so the Sixers could be down four starters when the raptors go to philadelphia now seth curry's been shooting the ball on an insanely elite level, Doc Rivers also became the 10th coach in NBA history to reach the 1,000 win mark. So it's not all bad. The Sixers have actually won six in a row entering this week. But with uh, what they're dealing with right now, it's hard to think that their win streak will last much longer. But they could prove me wrong. Guys like Therese Maxey, um, Andre Drummond. This is why you bring Andre Drummond and they could step up. And we saw Andre Drummond kind of have his way with the Raptors defense in the preseason. So that would be a good test for what we talked about in their size. And then, again, the rookies, Cade Cunningham. Dwayne Casey will be in Toronto to close the week Saturday, November 13th on TSN 1, 3, and 4. It'll be your first look at the number one overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. And two top five picks are going to go at it. Maybe that'll uh, have some impact. Kate Cunningham's got a lot of ground to make in the rookie of the year race. He was my pick, but I didn't think he was going to enter the season on a sprained ankle. So when you look at this upcoming week, a lot of challenges, interesting challenges. Uh, what are you expecting from the Raptors? Have you got a, maybe a, a clean 3-0 and week, given things work in their favor? I mean, every single, well, actually, I was going to say every single time they played the Celtics, it always seems like it's a battle. But last time they played, it was a battle for <laughs> everything. About, but like, yeah, it was it was a battle for about a half. And then the, and then the uh, Celtics stopped playing. And the Raptors pulled away with it. But, you know, I, I think even without Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum is due for a big game. He really has not been shooting the ball well. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like he's in a little bit of a funk and he's acknowledged that he's in a little bit of a funk and I feel like he's due for a big game and will it come against the Raptors and their stout defense. It might not. Um, but I think that, you know, that's always going to be a tough matchup, especially after the last one was a blowout. I think we're in for a good one there. And then, I mean, like you said, with the 76ers, it seems like that should be an easy win, but at the same time, the last time the Sixers played without Joel Embiid, they beat the Portland Trailblazers. So, mm-hmm. you know, that team has been anything but what I expected them to be to start the season with everything going on with Ben Simmons and just the uncertainty about the roster and all of those things kind of playing in together. I would not have expected them to be off to, I think seven and one start or maybe eight, eight and, and one two. start, eight and two, eight and two start. Okay. Yeah. So I would, they're a top of the Eastern conference. I would not have expected that. Uh, and then the Pistons, you know, I mean, they're still trying to get accustomed to Cade running that offense. They're still trying to, um, you know, figure out what they have in their young pieces. And I, they've played a lot of teams competitively. Like they played right. the Brooklyn Nets comp- competitively the other night. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're a team. I mean, just like OKC, like these are, you know, certified rebuilding teams, but they're going to go out there and give you their best shot. And they have a lot of young guys that are going to play hard in the Pistons in particular have, you know, some weapons like Jeremy Grant, who can give you a lot of points, mm-hmm. guys like Steve Bay, who can shoot the lights out, get hot and completely alter a game. So, you know, even with, some of the injuries falling in the, the Raptors favor. I don't think that it's going to be as easy of a week as you know, you might think it might be. And right. I think those games are going to be very, very much so worth tuning into because I think that, you know, if the Raptors keep playing it the way that they have been, it could very easily be three and oh, but we're going to get an opportunity to see if they can close out some close games, uh, which we've already seen them do on one end in a win and uh, also not close out a close game like they did against the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, the other night. So I think it's going to be an interesting week for the Raps. Absolutely. And a big note on that one, I mentioned it a little bit in passing, but Dwayne Casey, it always going to mean a little bit more. We remember when uh, I think it was Reggie Bullock, which shows how long ago it was, even though it wasn't that long ago. Reggie Bullock, it's a game winner to lift the Pistons over the Raptors. And it was a big deal. And Blake Griffin is saying again, a long time ago, Blake Griffin is saying we, we won that one uh, for Dwayne Casey. But now he's got a young scrappy team. And I remember last year they won a lot of games where it seemed like they had no business winning. I remember they beat the Lakers. They beat the Celtics a couple of times. So that's a characteristic of this Pistons team. A whole new cast, but still a lot of guys, very talented young guys. Um, Isaiah Stewart, a guy who just saw him get into it with Blake Griffin. These guys are scrappy. They're going to play hard. They're going to make you work for it. So even if it is a win, it's not going to be an easy win. You might feel it the day after. Speaking of feeling it the day after, to wrap things up, a couple roster notes. Injury report, Pascal Siakam is back, but Yuta Wantanabe remains out with that tricky calf injury. I expect them to take it as cautiously as possible. You know that um, those those soft tissue injuries, especially uh, calf injuries, are things that you don't want to take lightly. I know he spent some time with Raptors 9 to 5, and more on that in one second, but um, I'm sure they'll get him back in due time, and he will be a welcome addition to the lineup just for his energy alone and his ability to be active um, on the glass, on the defensive end. He is a positive for this team. Kim Birch did miss the game against the Nets with knee swelling, but I would assume that doesn't keep him sidelined for very long. Another Another roster note, forgot to mention it earlier, Sam Decker was cut ahead of his contract guarantee date, wrote about the financial implications. Seems like a small move, but actually to get the roster back down to 14, the Raptors avoid the luxury tax, which would have been a big penalty for the team. So um, they guarantee the contract of Izak Banga, and it seems like there won't be any other roster moves until the Goran Dragic situation is resolved i know we mentioned he's gotten some dmps i think seven straight now entering the week um doesn't mean that we won't see him play again but it's likely that they're probably going to try and find something that is mutually beneficial for both parties now i mentioned raptors 905 they open the 2021-22 g league season this week have two games in mississauga 
They're back. They're back. They're back home as well. Take on the Westchester Knicks on Friday and Saturday back to back. Um, Raptors nine to five roster has a couple of notable names, obviously headlined by the two way players, Justin Champagny and David Johnson. But Alex Antetokounmpo is also on the Raptors nine to five roster, just as we expected. The Raptors signed Antetokounmpo in 2021, just not the one we expected him to sign. But when you look at this roster, uh, I, I we we kind of went back and forth a little bit. There are a couple of uh, names that we recognize. Reggie Perry was with the team uh, during training camp in the preseason. Some guys who played big time college basketball and you being a college basketball guy. Um, if anybody is interested in the Raptors 9 to 5 B, who could they keep an eye on as maybe a long term developmental diamond that maybe could show something for the team? There's one guy in particular that sticks out to me, and I was actually really thrilled when I saw the Raptors 9-5 signed him, and that's Ashton Hagens from out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that, to kind of give you an idea of like what a Raptors player would be, like talk about just in-your-face defense, like going to pick you up. I mean, he'll pick you up the full 94 if, if the head coach allows him to, but Ashton Hagens, to give you a little bit of a backstory on his situation, like he was a top recruit going into Kentucky. Uh, he was SEC Defensive Player of the Year as a freshman, uh, all, all SEC defense first team as a sophomore, went to the NBA, went undrafted, and then signed a contract with the Timberwolves and uh, unfortunately had, you know, kind of just a mm-hmm. situation where he broke COVID protocol and mm-hmm. the team cut him loose for that. And, you know, when you're on those uh, partially guaranteed deals. Oh, that's sometimes one mistake that's all is it all takes. it takes. Right. And I, to see the Raptors give that type of player who really does show, I mean, if you're a defense player of the year in a power five conference, you're obviously doing something right, especially from the guard position. So he's somebody that hasn't had much of an opportunity because of him getting cut last year. He didn't get to play in uh, the G League condensed season that they had last year. So he's had pretty much a full year away from professional basketball, but you know, I'm sure he's been training and now he has this opportunity with the 905 to prove that he can get back to being kind of a pesky on-ball, def- pesky on-ball defender. He's someone that I would definitely keep an eye out for. Um, and then I think another player to keep an eye out for, and I think, you know, our, our boss Alex Novick would <laughs> fire me if I didn't give Justin Chimpenny a <laughs> shout out. But no, seriously, Justin Chimpenny is, you know, he's a, a, a forward that he's undersized, but he found yeah. a way to be one of the best rebounders in the ACC last year. Uh Talk about just someone that he's not extremely athletic. He's not, you know, physically gifted with, you know, a a crazy physique or long arms or crazy athleticism or anything like that, but he just finds a way to get it done. He's another player, uh, like Gil said, on a two-way contract that I would keep an eye out for as well. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, uh, and and it's, it almost feels like a cop-out, but I'll have two answers just like you had. Um, David Johnson is a guy who hasn't had as many opportunities with the Toronto Raptors um, as Justin Champagne has had. So I'm interested in seeing him kind of show more. I think they're trying to maybe mold him in a little more of a combo guard type guy. We, we knew coming out of Louisville that he could shoot the ball pretty well, has some nice size. So I think they want to develop him to be able to do more. And I'm actually going to ask you, did, did your did your Big East time parallel with Andrew Rousey's time at Marquette? Because it's funny because two things with that. So my first game when I was at Wake Forest was against UNC Asheville when he was still there. And Andrew Rousey's a guy, I don't even know how big of a role he will have, but when you see him go out there, he seems he's tiny. He's not a big guy at all, but he's super crafty, finds a way to score. He did it in the Big South at UNC Asheville and transferred to a higher level, did it at Marquette as well. And he's a guy who finds a way to score. So if he's a guy who can get on the floor, he'll be pretty entertaining to watch for for the uh, Raptors 905. He can shoot the ball. He has a nice little floater he can get to. Very crafty score, um, undersized. I don't want to say – J.J. Barrett feels kind of lazy, but like – 
from like a size standpoint, just like the stature, he's probably, he's probably a little bit taller. But a guy like that, when I think about when you're thinking about how he's not the most imposing physically, but still finds a way to get things done. So those are two guys, you know, when I'm tuning into Raptors 9 to 5 or, or, or at the very least checking their box scores, um, seeing what, what they're capable of doing. And then there, obviously there's the intrigue around Atletico because of his name. Who knows what it will what, uh, present and what he's able to do. But uh, th- that's kind of what I, what I got my eye on with, with Raptors 9 to 5 this year. Uh, the thing on Andrew Rousey, I actually kind of have a funny story with him. Uh, so when I was at Villanova during that one year, I did have a crossover with him and he had had a monster game against Georgetown. I think it was like two games prior. He put up like, I think it was like 35 points or something like that. Shot the lights out. He hit a ton of threes and he was the focal point of uh, coach Jay Wright's scouting report for that next night. And let's just say that Dante DiVincenzo bottled him up. I think he shot like I'm not even exaggerating. He might've gone like two for 20 or something like that against Villanova. He was still getting them up and listen, he's a, he's a hell of a scorer. Like I would not be, don't be shocked to see if Andrew Rousey, if he gets the playing time, like leads this Raptors 905 team in scoring a couple of times. If again, like, I don't know what his role is going to be on the team, but the guy can fill it up. He can shoot. I just happened to see him on probably his worst game of his entire senior season because uh, Dante DiVincenzo and Mikel Bridges, two guys who are still getting it done at the NBA level, uh, gave him all he could handle at the collegiate level. Absolutely. And I would say, and, and getting locked up by those guys is definitely nothing to scoff at or be ashamed about. And just one more note on him listed at 5'11, 175. So there's his physical profile last season with the Lakeland Magic, averaged 14 points per game, at, shot 37% from three. And people make a big deal a lot of times in college when guys score 1,000 points, where Andrew Rousey scored 2,000 points in college. So if that gives you an idea of what type of scorer he is, there it is. So if you're interested, we just turn this to the Andrew Rousey pod. <laughs> Tune in to Andrew Rousey Friday and Saturday when Raptors 905 take on the Westchester Knicks at home. So you can see him in person. Um, that is going to do it for this weekly wrap. A lot of Raptors content, Raptors 905 content, and even more over on NBA.com. So keep it locked in with us. We'll have you with these weekly wraps. Same time, same place every week and in between we'll have some other things reacting to everything that's going on in the sports world and the raptors world for kyle irving i'm gil mcgregor thanks for tuning in make sure to subscribe and we'll catch you next time